past you've been looking for all along. Step into the life of urban exploration with guests from around the world. Welcome to No Tracers. Welcome back to the No Tracers podcast. My name is Kay. I'm your host on this show all about urban exploring. If you're new to the show, hit the subscribe button. If you've been listening for any amount of time and you like the show, please do me a favor and go to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and feedback at the bottom of the show. It helps us grow in the society and culture section of Apple Podcasts. If you do that, I will actually send you a signed photo print as a way of saying thank you for doing that and thank you for supporting the show. If you guys want to watch this episode, like listen to it and see my guest photos at the same time, head to my new YouTube channel, No Tracers, and you can check out not only this podcast, but also my urban exploring videos. It's a new YouTube channel. I just launched it. So if you guys want to check out my stuff, please go over there and subscribe. This week on the podcast, I'm speaking with Ghost Urbex Japan. This guy is based in Japan, and his stories are absolutely bananas. Super excited to share them with you on this episode of No Tracers. Before we get into it, I need to thank our partner, Liquid Death Mountain Water. If you've never heard of them, don't worry, I've got an ad for you in three, two, one. From the streams of the Austrian Alps comes a new kind of water. A water that is sure to raise you from your grave. If you're tired of buying cases of plastic water bottles that contain carcinogens and God knows what else, or if you're trying to lower your waste footprint, Liquid Death comes in beautifully rugged aluminum cans. Murder your thirst with a can of Liquid Death. Check the link in the description and use code just the letter K at checkout for 10% off your order. Liquid death, murder your thirst. So if you guys wanna give liquid death a try, it's not for the faint of heart, but you can check it out at liquiddeath.com. Use code just the letter K for 10% off your order. And you can try liquid death today. Get a case, get 50 cases, you still get 10% off. All right, well, we got the police coming through, but without further ado, Ghost Urbex Japan, please introduce yourself and how long you've been exploring to the No Tracers audience. My name is Ghost, uh, commonly known in the Japanese community as Ghost Urbex Japan. Uh, I've been exploring, uh, the short answer is basically 15 years, uh, but my intro was when I was 19, uh, back in my high school and college days. Uh, I studied photography, uh, college professor, uh, she was really big into urbics at that time and, uh, she'd bring in some of her work and share it with the rest of the class. And, uh, it kind of piqued my curiosity seeing those strange and unusual, uh, places. So that was kind of my, uh, tip to getting started, but, uh, I didn't actually do a whole lot. I didn't know, I didn't have the community. I didn't have, uh, what, back in, in that time frame, we didn't have uh, good internet access for information. Uh, maps and stuff wasn't available. If you wanted to find a place, you had to literally get out with the roadmap, get in your car and just drive until you found something. Uh, the only other time you heard anything was if uh, someone like a friend told you about a place. So anyway, skipping forward about 20 years or not 20 years, but uh, into uh, 2000, uh, when I moved, I started seeing uh, stuff here in uh, over in Japan, Chernobyl, other places around the nation or not just nation, but around the world. And, uh, you know, it, it, kind of rekindled that interest in uh, Haikyo exploration. Oh, by the way, in case you didn't know, Haikyo is a term used here in Japan for urban exploration. So, but anyways, um, you know, just started getting an, ah, excuse me, an interest back into uh, urbix. Uh, jump a little bit farther ahead, I ended up moving to Japan. And so uh, from that point, I had a lot of free time and I just started going out and exploring. 
And it's awesome to hear that you got so into it and so into like the, the community over there that you, you ended up relocating, you know, not a lot of people in from, from America do that. You know, it takes a big, big step and a lot of courage to, to step outside your comfort zone and move to another country. And I grew up in the Middle East. My, my father relocated us uh, when I was 16 to Abu Dhabi. So I grew up there, studied film in Dubai, and then moved to Australia for a year. And now I'm in California. And, you know, I, I love traveling and I love getting to go around the world and visit some of these amazing places. I've been to Portugal and I've been to, you know, all, I just got home from the UK, actually. Uh, I was on tour with a band over there. And it's it's so cool to be able to travel and visit these places for you uh what was it about japan that made you want to go there out of all the places in the world for japan i had already been traveling to and from uh the states to japan and i had been and uh i had done some work uh back in the states that had also sent me to japan periodically um but it at the time when i was still in the states i was doing uh, graphic work and uh we had the economy uh bubble burst and mm -hmm. i just i didn't know where to go uh graphic work at the time seemed kind of sparse uh my company was actually closing its doors at the time and so i just i was like all right well i have family over here uh when i when i go and see what it's like over there. I've always been kind of curious. And so I just packed up my things and moved over here one day. So, wow. but that's pretty cool that you also have done a lot of traveling and that you said you're from the Middle East. So yeah, I find that actually pretty interesting as well. Yeah, I uh, so I'm from Oklahoma originally, but I, I we like I said we relocated when I was 16 to the Middle East, and it was uh, definitely an interesting time in my life. You know, my you know pivotal developmental years were spent in a different culture altogether, and uh, I wasn't too into exploring then, but as I am now. Um, and I kind of wish I had done more exploring back then of <laughs> abandoned places, but they were, it was a little bit more, uh, I guess like sketchy to like go out on your own to like find that kind of stuff over there. But, yeah. um, it was definitely, definitely cool. And I've had, um, an Egyptian explorer on the podcast called pimp my camel and he's from Egypt and he's done a lot of urban exploring, uh, in the middle East. And he's got some crazy stories about like finding skulls and different like places around there. And like, it's, it's a definitely an interesting episode. So people listening, if you guys want to check that one out, definitely go listen to it. Um, for you, like when you moved to Japan, did you jump straight into like exploring a band? and stuff there or did you kind of like settle down a little bit and find a community there um i kind of when i got over here um i wasn't actually thinking really hard on exploring um at the time back in the states i'd actually kind of tapered off quite a bit but when i got over here i found that i had a horrendous amount of free time and uh <laughs> <laughs> seriously and i just you know, I, I was like, I got to find something to do. I can't be just going out drinking every night and doing this and that. And uh, I, I, I started off, I, I got myself another camera and uh, I started going out. Uh, started doing just street photography and stuff like that. And then, and picking up the odd job eventually. And then finally I started, you know, I, again, the Haikyo images started cropping up and one particular, uh, happened to show up. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of the green room. It's, uh, the Maya hotel. So all of a sudden this image popped up one day on Instagram and I was just like, Oh, Hey, I remember this photo. And I decided to start checking it out and researching it. And, uh, turns out it's over in Kobe and, uh, you know, I was like, oh, I, I really want to go here. I really want to go here. But I start. I didn't really at the time have the knowledge for getting around. And moving around Japan is kind of difficult if you don't have a driver's license. Uh, you're limited by your language ability uh, and just pure transportation. So I tried to stay kind of local within where I live. Uh, I'm in the Yokohama, Tokyo area. And so... I started doing small places uh, within 
uh, an hour's train ride of from where I, I reside. And uh, but as the years have gone on, I started branching out. And yeah, I, I started learning about the rest of the community, but actually reaching out and connecting with them. I didn't really uh, meet up with anyone for at least three, four years later. Yeah, I think that's interesting to hear about like your your process of getting into the the local community there and you know, I I was kind of the same way when I moved back to America and came to California. I didn't really know how to get into it or like where any of these places were and it was right before or like right when Instagram was really popping off with with the urban exploring stuff and I happened to go to a uh, photography meetup in Los Angeles and somehow we got on the topic of abandoned places and this guy was like hey I know uh, an abandoned um, it used to be like a police training center or something like that and okay. uh, he was like I can take you there so so I went to that that was my first one in California and then it kind of just exploded from there and I got in with the community and it took me a couple years to kind of similar to your story you know to actually get in with the community and start exploring with different people um but i think it's so fascinating that you're in a completely you're basically on the other side of the world you know and <laughs> there's a community there it just goes to show you that urban exploring is something that is worldwide and it's not just like in one little small area like this community is vast and i think that's one of the, my favorite things about this podcast is that i can connect with people like yourself that live on the other side of the world that are doing the same thing that i'm doing and have the same interests um for you like when did the photography come into play uh, you had mentioned you did like street photography when you first got over there but uh when did you pick up a camera for the first time in your life and and what made you kind of connect with photography i know you said you studied it a little in high school um I'd say about the age of 14 is when I first had my little uh, point and shoot. Uh, it was this little uh, red plastic uh, camera. You, you popped your film in and you just ran around clicking at it. Um, gee, I must sound like an, a fossil. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but that was kind of the start. Um, and over the years, uh, I just kind of kept at it. Uh, my uh, godfather, he was also into photography, and every once in a while he'd, he'd sh share stuff from his dark room, and uh, eventually I just uh, kind of went from there. Uh, and it's always been kind of this uh, side passion of mine, and now it's a full-time thing. Oh, that's awesome. I love the power of photography and the passion people have for it. I think it's so special uh, for you. Do you have recommendations for people that are getting into the hobby um, as far as gear goes? So like uh, maybe the backpack you use or the pair of shoes on your feet, a light, anything like that? Uh, for camera gear itself, uh, my best suggestion is Go with whatever's most comfortable for you. Uh, nothing's worse than picking up a camera and you can't figure out how to even like get through the menus or whatever, especially nowadays. Uh, for Haikyo gear, um, it's all your basics. I mean, you don't want to go into these buildings wearing tennis shoes and uh, no mask and whatnot, and no gloves. You want to make sure you have your gloves. You want some good boots. Um, a respirator on hand, at least a, a, a basic mask to cover your mouth with. Uh, yeah, too many things can happen in, in some of these places. Uh, the last one of the places I was at over the summer, I was down in Kyushu at this uh, church. And it's not just a church, it's more like a resort wedding facility. I, it was, it was kind of huge, actually. And uh, I'd, got, I'd already been through part of the building, and I had gotten up into this upper level of the building. It was partially outdoor, partially indoor. And I'm making my way through this outdoor hallway, and I see one of the uh, wedding hall rooms. And there's, I see there's a bed in there and uh, a couple of chairs, and I'm just about ready to walk in. And I realized there's no floor. And it just happened. I had my torch on me and I, I was pointing it straight down. There was no floor in like you could see the carpet, but oh right God. at the entrance where the door was open, there was nothing. And 
I, I like I look down and it's a good solid two floor uh, two story drop, you know. Oh my god! And I was just like, oh, that would have been a nasty little drop. Had I not had my torch on me, I probably would have gone uh, straight down. So, wow. no, you, you just want to make sure you're uh, properly uh, prepared and aware when you're going into these places. So, definitely. And do you have a preference on exploring alone or with people? Uh. I know everyone says you should go with somebody, but I have to say my preference is by myself. Um, there's there's so many different things uh, for going with someone. You're constantly kind of wondering what they're doing, where they are, how they're doing, if something's happened to them. Um, if you get some, uh, if you go go with someone who's you're not really familiar with and they turn out being some uh, vandal or, you know, they're just, uh, oh gee, I got to think of the English. Uh, I'm wanting to say KY. <laughs> uh, they, they just kind of, they're doing their own thing. Like they don't care, you know, smashing mm -hmm. things, waving their torches around. It, it really can be distracting for your own experience when you're there. Um, Plus, when I'm out exploring, uh, I think I'm on the insane side for the amount of what I do. Um, just last weekend, I went to a clinic, uh, took the last train out, uh, arrived at the station at about midnight, one o'clock in the morning, went to walk to the clinic and stayed in the clinic shooting all through the night and into the middle of the afternoon the next day. Wow. And I think for most people, just going into the clinic in the middle of the night, they can't handle. And so it's, it's kind of like, you know, uh, my, my world of exploring and enjoying what I'm doing is very different from a lot of other explorers. Well, not explorers, just other people in general, I suppose. I can't speak yeah. for other explorers. What, <laughs> <laughs> what's the longest amount of time you've spent in a place? In a single building, I would have to say 16, 17 hours, maybe 18. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, wow. You, it's, a, uh, it's actually a kind of a local place for me. Um, very, very well known. And it, for a while, had the nickname of being the Fort Knox of Urbex within Japan. Uh, the reason being is uh, the outside has two layers of fencing. Um, there's the main fence, which stands at least, I'd say, eight feet tall with barbed wire all the way around. Uh, there is a gate with CCTV directly on it. Um, and once you get past that, uh, there's a, a really hot tall, white, flat metal barricade that's at least 10, 12 feet tall. And that's just for getting in. I'm not even talking about the other stuff that's around there. On the back side is a military installation, a U.S. military base. And it, it's literally their back wall. Like there's the fence and there's where everyone are, is driving around. And walking and stuff. And they got patrols going through and whatnot. And it's, just, you know, it's like, okay, I'm going to try and get in this place. <laughs> on, the, on, on the front side, it is a public park. And we're talking completely open area. And during the daytime, it is busy. I mean, it is so busy. So you have to go in in the middle of the night. And... You know, you got this military base with their bright lights going and uh, the, their military doing patrols. You have the local park doing patrols because, you know, the military base is there. And, uh, you know, you got to get through this fence with barbed wire on the top. You got to get over this 10-foot barricade to get into this building. And then once you're in, you're there. You can't go anywhere. You don't have a choice. You once you're in, you're in for until the next night when it's dark and you try to make your exit. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I think you might be a crazy person. <laughs> and I love that. <laughs> I admire the, the uh, courage you have to do this, especially by yourself, especially things like that. Like, I, I've been to uh, an abandoned jail where it was kind of similar, like a, you know, 10 foot barbed wire fence had to get over it, drop down to the train tracks and make your escape. And it was crazy. It was a crazy experience. And, you know, we filmed the whole thing, of course, but uh, it's stuff like that that makes me really appreciate this community and the people that do this. Can you talk more about the mentality of urban exploring? Like, what do you get out of this? Why do you do this so much? I really enjoy recording uh, these places. Um, it sounds really weird or corny. I think of it as kind of like exploring like ancient Egypt or Machu Picchu or, you know, all these old ancient places. I think of us as modern day versions of the people who used to explore those type of places. Mm. And so, you know, I want to get in there. I want to record and see what the lives were like of people or the people, the, you know, workers, whatever, who worked in these places, who lived in these places, you know, and then here, here's a, here's a good one for you. Chernobyl. Now, I don't know how old you are, but I was about 13 or 14 and I already had a sense of like Egypt pyramids and, you know, all these other places and it had already been uh, a point in my mind of like how did it become empty why aren't there people still living there and then of course it's not going to be exactly the same but as chernobyl you know but some type of massive you know disaster of some sort took place uh in this case for like egypt or machu picchu probably plague or something else um mm -hmm. but for you know Chernobyl, you know, seeing on the news, you know, uh, the meltdown and hearing about it. And then it kind of clicked as a young child, it clicked in my mind. And then coming back years later, and then those like new images resurfacing, re-talking about Chernobyl and stuff, it really, you know, made me want to visit and record these people's past lives. So... Man, and you know, so so Chernobyl, the disaster happened before I was born. I was born in '93, uh, and it happened in what '86. '86, uh, I believe so. Yeah, 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 yeah. '86. Yeah. Uh, so, like you, so you watched that happen on TV. Like you watched yeah. the whole disaster yeah. take place. Wow, and and so, like, what was it like to? to visit and see it after after the fact, after like growing well, up seeing it on TV? I haven't actually had the chance of exploring outside of uh, Japan or the uh, west coast of the U.S. Um, gotcha. But seeing the images, it just, it kind of brought me back to, you know, what I'd seen as a child. And, you know, seeing these images again, it, it really kind of like just made me take a step back for a second and realize, you know, wow, you know, this place when just a few years ago used to have all these people living there and now there's nothing and it's you know yeah. for most it might seem a long time um but for me since you know i was actually alive and knew what was going on when it took place and then to see it again uh it really kind of painted an interesting picture of, you know, how the situation might actually occur. So, right. Yeah. I, uh, I have a friend who's a filmmaker and he got to go to Chernobyl to film a, a documentary for like BBC or, you know, some network. And, uh, so if you do ever want to go there, I, I, he has a guy that brought him in there and i can definitely pass on his information to you if you ever want to get out there and go check it out uh, awesome. he stayed there in in the grounds for like a week like right down the hallway from where like the scientists were quarantined at and the stories this guy told me were absolutely crazy and so uh yeah if you ever want to get over there let me know but for you what was your scariest exploration experience scariest um that's kind of a tough one because for me, when I'm getting into these places, I think the fear or 
like that aspect doesn't really uh, pop up with me. I tend to feel really calm inside these places. I just focus on my photography. So, um, but it, not in Japan, uh, back in the States, uh, I, I think you've, I'm sure you've heard of the Vance Creek Bridge. I have, yes. Um, so that's, that's back in my home state. Uh, if you've ever gone there, this is kind of this is just playing with normal fear uh, of like heights. Uh, I climbed up on this uh, what two three story uh, concrete pillar to get up onto the top of the uh, of the train tracks, and then <laughs> you had this. I, I'm guessing maybe 20, 30, 40 feet of no crossbar track rail. Like just the main yeah, support yeah. rails, you had to cross this to get to the actual first wooden planks where you actually have some sort of floor. And of course, as you're going out, and for anyone who doesn't know about the Vance Creek Bridge, we're talking, it is the Washington State's second tallest bridge. We're talking what, I think it's like a hundred, I, I can't even think, uh, meters, feet. Um, anyways, it's, like it's 106. really- yeah, it's like really freaking tall. And by the time you get to those first planks, you have to be like five, six, seven, eight stories up. And I'm just like, I'm shitting bullets like you wouldn't believe. I'm, I'm like, you know, I don't normally get nervous or scared. Heights don't usually phase me. I, I was just climbing buildings the other day and it doesn't bother me usually. I was scared shitless. I kid you not. I, I'm like crossing this thing. I'm like praying to God, please, no strong wind, no strong wind. The the metal bars are slightly are slightly wet because it had rained earlier in the morning. I'm th- I'm thinking, please don't slip, don't no breeze, you know. <laughs> you know, I make my way across onto this thing, and you know, I I took my photos and then. You know, even I eventually got the courage to go back across and get back. And I'm like driving back to my uh, my place out in Westport. And I'm just like, oh, my God, I think I'm going to be sick right now. (laughs) It was the first time I could honestly say I had a serious adrenaline rush because usually I don't. I, I might get a little bit spooked if I'm worrying about, like, say, the police or something like that. But. For the most part, being in the place, I don't get scared. Uh, I might get a little bit surprised seeing a wild animal. Uh, I've run across bears, boars, deers, you name it, uh, here. But yeah, I usually don't get too uh, startled. But that that one particular time did kind of freak me out a little bit. <laughs> wow, man! Yeah, the that's up in like the Satsop area, and uh, yeah, have you ever right. been to the um, the, the Satsop plant? nuclear plant? Yeah, 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 I've been up there. Um, the uh, so I drive up there, and I I I wasn't sure if I wanted to try and enter the actual plant itself. Um, I was there uh, for the holidays visiting family, and uh, but I drove out and I got out there, and I'm just—it's really, really foggy that day, and I'm just trying to catch some of the externals of the uh, the buildings, and uh, it's—and by the way, it is still partially active. Uh, they run mm-hmm. tours in that place, but uh, so I'm sitting there, I'm taking photographs, and uh, car rolls up. And he's like, what are you doing? And I'm just like, oh, I'm taking pictures. Is that okay? He's like, okay, just don't be going in. I'm like, no problem. Big, huge fence anyways. But they they were watching me from the point that I got into the general area. Maybe some uh, CCTV somewhere in the outer area. But Mm -hmm. yeah, because I wasn't there more than a half a minute before someone rolled up asking me questions. Wow. yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, this this band I'm friends with, they uh, rented it out to film two music videos in there. Oh, sweet. And uh, they they called me up one day and they were like, hey, so we know you're into like urban exploring and abandoned stuff. Uh, do you want to come out here and film behind the scenes for us and like explore this place for two days? And I was like, 
<laughs> Sorry, what? You should have so taken I, I him up on spend, it. I did, I did. Oh, so awesome. I spent two days walking around this place. I got to go into the cooling tower. I got to climb on a crane. Oh, like I got to, dude, it was Total jealousy insane. right now. Oh my total God, jealousy. it was the coolest. I flew my drone around that place. Oh my God, it was one of the coolest explorers I've ever done. And like to be allowed to be in there was like next level, you know? There's no, nothing like that. I know, I know. Um growing up so my my grandfather uh had a house uh out in westport not far from there and so whenever i'd go out to visit him i would always see those cooling or that cooling tower and yeah. it was as a child i always want i was always curious and kind of freaked out by it but i always kind of wanted to go and you know i keep meaning to do it and probably go the route that you went basically because uh, right. it's it's not hard to uh, pay to have access into that place but it's just exactly. kind of like am I really doing an urbex explorer or am I just like on a tour <laughs> but still I right. mean that's a that's a pretty freaking cool place to go to yeah, yeah yeah of all the places you can pay to get into that's definitely one you should do uh, for sure you can pay to like <laughs> climb the stairs to the cooling tower to the very top of it yeah. that's something I wish I had been able to do while I was there but I'll go back and do it one day but it's crazy because now anytime I see cooling towers it brings me back to that time when I was there and I uh, like I said earlier i just got back from the uk and we were driving through the countryside and there was like this whole nuclear facility and they had like i don't know like eight cooling towers that were all running at the same time and i was like this Holy is shit. insane like i've been in one of those like to think about that like the power <laughs> that those things push out is just insane um so for you can you tell me about your most dangerous exploration i know you mentioned the one where there was no floor but uh do you have like another one that's like dangerous or risky um let's see dangerous 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 let me think let me think um ah uh, i'm so cautious oh uh ikeshima so there's a number of uh like mining facilities in this place. And uh, I, I was out there um, with a buddy of mine trying to, originally I was trying to get to Gunkanjima, but weather killed it again for me. Uh, got it, went over to Ikeshima instead, uh, did a hospital and was doing some of the mining facilities. And uh, going through the inside, you would think it's not too bad. Um, I got into one particular uh, building, a huge, huge facility. And uh, my buddy, he's constantly pointing out bad floor, bad floor, bad floor. And uh, they look like regular sheets of metal, nice, strong, sturdy metal. But in reality, all rusted out. Like one good footstep down and you're going to be somewhere else definitely if not that you're at least gonna slash up your leg uh from the middle and uh yeah we had gone through that place uh in the basement area of the place it's actually a pretty cool location uh it's a huge onsen and if you're not uh onsen is a type of bathhouse and mm. there is a men's and a women's and the men's had to been oh gee it just like like the size of your school gym there there wow. had to have been like <laughs> like for bathing like showering stations like sit down sh showering stations there had to have been like a hundred of them and there's these two gigantic like pool size uh bathing uh onsens and i was just like floored by it and the women's not nearly as big, but still it was good sized as well. Again, through most of that place, pitch black, uh, couldn't see anything in the lower levels, but yeah, getting, getting down there, it was a maze of just busted up metal that, you know, uh, if you weren't careful pieces, uh, huge sections, would of rusted out metal would fall sometimes from above uh wow. in another place uh not far from there um my buddy was telling me eight different people died uh not from 
necessarily being in the wrong well yeah they're in the wrong place all right uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> um you know but not like from climbing and doing things that would seem risky right they were just walking yeah. along and whole entire staircase collapses type deal oh my god or uh, a guy is walking and apparently some big huge uh, metal generator or capacitor fell from above and crushed the guy wow and, yeah oh my god. so uh the place that i was in was not that place uh but similar things have happened in that place as well so sure i'd have to say yeah, that I'd... would be one of the more sketchier places but eh. <laughs> for sure <laughs> And uh, we talked about in uh, on Instagram about Battleship Island. I would love to hear your experience there. Ah, Gunkanjima. Everyone calls it Battleship yeah. Island. I'm not used to that. Gunkanjima. <laughs> uh, sadly, uh, I've made a number of attempts, and they've all been thwarted. Uh, I've never been on. My last attempt was this past summer. I was met with three typhoons. Uh, typhoons oh. are really strong, or like a smaller version of a hurricane. Uh, mm -hmm. I was, but I was in the Kyushu area for a full week. Uh, in Saga and uh, Fukuoka, I was dealing with flooding. <laughs> I'm like driving around. I'm like, oh, I can't go this way. My car is <laughs> in a foot of water, so oh redirect and go somewhere else. But yeah, I've I've been out to. Uh, Nagasaki several times uh, only to be turned around uh, due to various complications. Uh, there is a point where uh, a couple of people had caused problems for the foreign community, uh, mm -hmm. lighting off fireworks or uh, art projects that shouldn't have been put up on Gunkanjima and yeah. it destroyed it for the foreign community. Uh, if you want to get over oh. there uh, through one of the local boat captains, you have to have uh, a Japanese guide. And so, sure. You, yeah. Uh, there are tours, or at least were tours. I don't know if they've tried starting them back up again. Uh, they closed them down due to asbestos, and that gives you about a 2% view of the entire island. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, it, I was, uh, on tour with this band in the UK and, um, my friend Jake, who's the vocalist of the band, he's been out there on one of the tours and he was like, yeah, I've actually been there, but I literally like got off the boat, walked like a hundred meters and then walked back to the boat and that's it. That's all you get to see. <laughs> and I was like, exactly. what? That's not even a tour. You just like step on the Island for a second and then go back. It's so yeah, crazy, it, but yeah, it's pretty I, sad. I've heard a lot about that place and, uh, I would love to visit it somehow someday, but definitely like out of respect, I would for sure bring a guide that is Japanese with me because I know that culturally they, they are very like, um, protective of their, their country and their place, you know, and, and I always want to be respectful of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, back in the day though, uh, probably when I first started exploring here, you could actually, as a foreigner, uh, speak with one of the the boat captains to get out onto the island and there have been a number of uh foreigners that have been able to actually stay the night and just wow. be there uh i'm always envious of some of those guys but yeah one of these yeah. days uh, i'll make it <laughs> oh for sure for sure my, my, so my for next you... attempts this uh what oh go ahead go ahead oh i was gonna say uh, my next attempt is uh hopefully this spring so nice. we'll see how that goes. I hope you make it out. I hope you make it, man. That would be yeah. super cool to see the, the content you make from that. And uh, speaking of content, um, can you talk about social media and what that's done for you as an urban explorer, as a photographer? And uh, if you've been able to like meet up with people through things like Instagram? Um, so when I first got into exploring here in Japan, I did get set up on Facebook uh, with a part of the Japanese community. Uh, I was one of the moderators of this uh, Haikyo Exploring page. And uh, it's how I met uh, a couple of my current friends today um, who are good guys. Though 
at that time, I had never gone exploring with any of them. Um, it's just been kind of maintaining a like a community friendship. Uh, mm-hmm. But more recently, I've actually gone out exploring with a couple of guys that I've met through that page. Uh, that page is long gone now. Uh, Instagram uh, now seems to flow in waves. Uh, newer generation explorers come up and they... I don't know how they're doing it over here, but they're they're picking apart the sites. They're finding them so quickly, uh, the newer explorers. Uh, when I first got into it, uh, there was one particular site that gave a good amount of information and helped ex- serious explorers find those uh, different sites. And the most secretive places were always kept secret, of course, but... Sure. Uh, it, it helped to let me get out to see more places more quickly. Um, Instagram and the internet as a whole, I think, has made a huge impact on how quickly people can find places. Um, when I first started exploring, like I said, you, you literally you would have to get in your car, take a map, Maybe a friend would tell you about some building he saw and you'd just go and you'd spend all day just driving around looking for maybe a place and, uh, you know, just aimlessly wandering around uh, with <laughs> no, Seriously, it's terrible. Uh, now you got Google, right? I spend right. hours and hours peering through <laughs> communities all day all night long <laughs> like you know just going through and oh here's a spot this looks really good oh here's a spot this looks good what's this drop down into the street view and oh hey i think i got something and uh, <laughs> you know i don't even have to go anywhere i can do it from here and so right. you know just that alone has made exploring uh and finding these different places so much easier um, mm-hmm. And then the community uh, has, for me, I, I've been pretty much to myself. Uh, I do know other people within the community. I have gone out exploring with others or met others while exploring. Um, and using Instagram um, has made it a little bit easier to connect with the local community. Um there was a theater I'd gone to not long ago um, with a couple of buddies of mine. And so we, we get to this place, we see a, another car there. And uh, I'm like, oh, he's he's local. He's from my area, guys. And they're like, oh, okay. And we get into the place. And this Japanese guy, he's, you know, I... I intentionally beeline it to try and find them let them know that we're there because i don't want them freaking out or anything or if it's yeah some guy causing trouble i don't want to be involved in it right so i i quickly find the guy and i try talking to him and he's like no i don't want to deal with you i don't know who you are and you know i was like well we're i'm here with two other guys and he actually got pretty damn he got really scared actually. And um, he was starting to make his way out. And I was like, Hey, here's my business card with my Instagram account. My name's ghost. And uh, he quickly checked it out and he was like, Oh, Hey, I know you. You're this guy. Right. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's me. And then he shared his Insta with me and it made things much quicker, much easier uh, for breaking down the general barrier. And um, I asked him, because he had told me he was with one other guy. He's like, oh, no, no, no. I, I thought you guys might be here to, like, rob me or vandalize yeah. the place. I, I didn't know. I got scared. And I said, oh, okay. No, I understand. And so, you know, having that, you know, really quick, easy connection with other explorers, it, it's definitely an advantage. 
Oh, for sure. And, you know, I, I don't blame the guy for being scared, you know, three dudes <laughs> to one dude like that. Yeah, that can be scary yeah, yeah. in the band of place. But it's yeah, cool how yeah. Instagram kind of brings us together. And uh, what do you hope for the future of urban exploring? A better sense of protecting the places. Um, when I first got into exploring in here in Japan, I could go to a place and it would be noticeably untouched. I would honestly feel like I was the first person to have walked into a place since whoever owned it prior passed away or it had become abandoned. Uh, it's quickly changing though. I'd say the last five, 10 years, uh, it's been, yeah, 10 years ago, I might find a little bit of graffiti. Uh, the last two to five years, uh, I'm seeing, I think the term is scrappers. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I think I've been seeing uh, scrapping activities, people going in and stripping out tatami mats and other things, uh, stealing, people stealing, going into places and stealing stuff, uh, blatant graffiti and vandalism. It's, it's kind of unfortunate, um, you know. And it's almost becoming a little bit touristy even. Uh, a place mm. that I nicknamed the Grandmother's Clinic. Uh, this little clinic uh, had a house and uh, a clinic attached uh, out in the middle of you know nowhere. Uh, went there. Everything pristine. Medicine bottles still in the cabinets. Files wow. still on the filing racks the bed sheets on the uh medical bed uh or i don't know medical kind of like a medical bed anyways the sheets sure. still there no indentations no ripples just dust collecting on it and amazing i mean if you go into a place and you see this you're just like you're floored mm -hmm. and after a while, the rumor got out that they were going to demolish it. And yeah, that was somewhat true. Uh, not completely. Uh, the owner eventually had it stripped clean. Uh, but what was really happening was so many people were going to this place, both uh, good explorers, bad explorers, I don't know. But so many people were going to this place and not really showing any kind of respect for the local neighbors, not being quiet about it, or, you know, I, I just don't know. Just, but they eventually, they stripped it out. Uh, it was, I learned about it, like, say, at one point, like, and within two years, they decided to completely empty it out and wow. not even bother with people. Uh, fortunately, I think uh, the owners now lease it to movie studios within Japan so that it, the architecture can still be used, which is fortunate. Cool. But yeah, that's cool. All the all the actual history and the people's lives that were there is now gone, which is really sad. Yeah, definitely. And uh, if you could live in one place you've explored for an entire week, which one would it be? An entire week. Yeah. Ah, oh, gee, that's a tough one. Um, maybe the Oriental. Uh, it's this huge, huge hotel out on the island. Um, and it's pretty surreal. Uh, one side of the building completely decayed and moldy right across the hallway pristine and clean hmm. um i don't know if it would last me an entire week uh i know it lasted me two days there um but there are <laughs> other portions of the hotel that i only spend a little bit of time in so having more time to explore there i think that would be a, a lot of fun uh otherwise for places i haven't explored yet would be gunkanji on top i i could, oh, I for could sure. be there a week no problem 
As long as there's no typhoons. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I heard one guy stayed through a typhoon in that place and got some awesome photos. Wow. <laughs> like I gotta find that waves. guy and have him on the show. Massive wow. waves blowing up over the, over the top. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's incredible. I gotta have that person on the show to hear that story. That's gotta be nuts. Yeah, I, I should I should look up that photo and see if I can find it again. But yeah, yeah if I, I would, if I, I would if love I, to see it, I can guess, but who it might be. But yeah, anyways. <laughs> yeah. So my last question for you is: What is something you know now that you wish you knew when you started exploring? Uh, be patient. Um, sounds a little cheesy, but be patient. Be patient going in, getting out. Uh, don't be in a rush. Uh, if you're rushing to get around or get into places, something bad's going to happen every single time. Um, oh, yeah. It's kind of the simple fact. Um, my buddy, it was funny, we were uh, trying to get into an amusement park. Uh, you might have heard of it. It's called Western Mura. It's a Western Village amusement park. And, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. This guy, my my buddy, yeah, good guy and good photographer. We get to the front of this amusement park and he's already trying to crawl underneath one of the fence gates. Like this big huge wooden pull open door gate. And yeah, there was a good uh maybe foot crack underneath this gate and I'm like, "What are you doing?" And he's like, oh, I'm getting in. And I'm like, door's open over here. <laughs> <laughs> Same day, a little bit later on, he's he's thinking about passing through this really sketchy window. Like huge, huge, really thick glass, sheets of glass. And it's busted and it looks like it's ready to like fall and he's like i'm gonna go through this and i'm like uh-uh i spent just a couple more seconds walked around the backside hey there's an open window over here much easier let's do that <laughs> so i mean you know there's there's always you know time take your time you if you really want to get into a place Time is your best friend. And, you know, same for like if the place is like locked up. If you're having to break, uh, like bust a door down, you, you should be turning away. It's, it's not the right time. Uh, someone else will do it for you anyways. You just got to be patient. Exactly. And come back. So, yeah. But, Definitely. Uh, and if people yeah. want to uh, keep following your journey, uh, where can they find you online? Let everyone know your, your Instagram, your social media. Uh, my Instagram is ghost.urbix.japan. Um, that's my main source. I am on Twitter, but I don't use it a lot. Um, maybe if I had a bigger Western community, I probably would. Everything's always in Japanese from the Japanese community, so... But, you know, um, but yeah, same, same thing. Uh, just ghost.urbix.japan on Twitter. So anyways, yeah, thank you. All right. That was Ghost Urbex Japan. If you guys want to check out his stuff, I've put his links down in the description for you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the No Tracers podcast. If you want to come on the show, please reach out to me at no.tracers on Instagram, or you can email me at contact at notracers.com. If you guys want to pick up a photo book or a duffel bag or anything like that, head to just the letter K.com slash no tracers. You can pick something up. Otherwise, subscribe to the new YouTube channel, No Tracers, and I will talk to you guys next week for another one. Stay strong, keep enduring, go out, go explore something, and remember, leave no trace.